Welcome to this Thursday edition of LeVac and Gaz, May 18th, 2023. And we told you here on Fox Sports Radio 95, 9 to 980, we were going to give you different coverage than anybody else in the 518 in the Capital Region. Less than 24 hours ago, the news breaks that Antonio Brown may or may not be playing for the Albany Empire May 27th. And look, the reports that he is, he intends to play May 27th. Now, because it is 2023, content's created also different here. Our guy Levesque is down in Florida right now. Things going on involving the Albany Empire, the Orlando Predators, the National Arena League, and more. There is nobody who has been more boots to the ground, and in this case, truly boots to the ground more down in Florida right now, covering this, getting us the inside scoop and more than our guy Levesque. Levesque, thank you for doing this. Welcome Bright and early, making it happen, top of the show. Hope the weather is good. Let's dive into this Antonio Brown stuff for you. Oh, dude, it's it's uh, it's beautiful here, and uh, we're I'm at Hollywood Studios as we speak. I'm uh, my my daughter and her boyfriend are building a droid, and uh, and I'm going to build a lightsaber later. So just to be prepared for when I come back. Uh, listen, anybody who thinks he's actually going to play or play like meaningful football, I think I think you're you're falling for the nonsense and tomfoolery that he has been presenting since he, since he got into, you know, the capital region. Like I know that we'd always spoken about him doing it. Like I remember coach Manas one time going, look, just play the first play. You play the first play. We're going to sell a bunch of tickets and we'll be good. And so like, if he does actually play, that's what I think you'll see. Maybe he runs out there one play and then, and then you're just watching him stand in, you know, maybe, maybe he pulls, pulls a full, you know, Tampa Bay, at Jets, takes his uniform off on the field and runs off the field. I, I just, I have trouble believing he's actually going to suit up and play an entire arena football game. Let's backpedal a little bit because some people who have been following this story more recently may not know about the backdrop and backstory about Antonio Brown joining the Albany Empire. When these discussions at first began months ago involving Mike Corder, the then owner of the Empire, and you and your role as team president, was there ever a discussion that this could be a possibility that some point in the future Antonio Brown would tank the field in the capital region as a member of the active Albany Empire roster? There wasn't in the beginning. The, the first time it was brought up was was literally, I want to say it was like 11 o'clock at night on a Wednesday. We're at Tech East Fire and Water Restoration where the contract was signed. And I jokingly said, Mike, you slipped the player contract in there, right? And Mike starts laughing and AB looked up at me like, what? And then, you know, we, we've talked about it here and there, just like as more or less like as a, as a promotional situation. Um, I, I've never I've never believed he would actually go out there and play a full a full game. But there was a point when I was ordering uniforms, I did order an 84. So I don't know if they ever followed through on it. But like I bought it more for like a promo thing. But if they followed through on that order, he has a jersey ready to go. Also, wasn't there talks and protocols and issues that, if he actually was the owner of the team, there had to be a lot of hoops to jump through for him to actually be a football player, to be paid as a National Arena League athlete. It's not just as simple as, oh, I own the team. I'm going to throw a hat off and now toss on a helmet, shoulder pads. I feel like there's got to be way more to this, and this has been talked about months ago, that it can't be just that easy. So I believe what you'll see here is last year, we we fought and got it set up to where uh, Jay Rich, Jeremy Richardson, our defensive back coach, was able to suit up and play. So the bottom line is this: there's no there's no salary cap in this league. Uh, 
what was happening when the rules were set up where you couldn't do stuff like that was because you would see teams who are really smart hire a coach who they knew could still play, stash them, and then when they needed them, they would just activate them. So that, that's a way to get around the salary cap and have an extra guy. This is a no-salary cap league. There's, there's very little to stop him from playing on a rule level. And I don't know if you've been paying attention. Commissioner Siegfried is clearly we'll, – I'll put this nice. He's a big fan of Antonio Brown. So he's going to do what Antonio wants him to do. That's what he's been doing for the last few weeks anyway. That was my first reaction yesterday. When I heard this news that Antonio Brown might play, I thought about Commissioner Siegfried and where his mindset's at. Is it that, you know what, we're going to get national attention. We're going to be on big-time coast-to-coast networks in the middle of May with sometimes considering this to be a slower time period in national sports talk. We're going to be on the national spotlight. Antonio Brown's going to play. He's got millions of followers on social media. Oh, we have to bend the rules and change some things for him to give us attention in the league. We're willing to do that. It always seems like Antonio Brown and Commissioner Siegfried are, are on the same team. Is that the way to phrase this? Well, think about it like this. Since since I became a part of the NIL in 21, we've had how many owners change? Like, you know, Mike went from minority to majority. The Von Schillers joined us. AB joined us down in West Texas. They changed ownership like twice. I think the Millennium Falcon just went by. Um, they, like we've had all these ownership changes. All these people join in. Like John Kane leaves Albany, goes to Carolina. Like, have you seen anybody else get a special announcement that they're joining an ownership team and that they, that they're he backs them a hundred percent? It's only been Antonio Brown. So there is. Um, I, I want to like call it a star crush. I think I think Commission's got a little star crush on uh, on Mr. Brown. I always assumed, and maybe history is going to tell me this was the wrong assumption. But in the San Antonio Brown potentially playing former athlete scenario, my assumption was the only time we're going to ever see Antonio Brown as a break glass if emergency, like secret weapon, or this is the last resort because. Is working as the team's broadcast for the past few seasons. This was a championship team I covered. They won the NAL in 2022. They won the NAL in 2021. So they didn't really need them. They were good without them. They had the best players in the league, and they proved that, that to be the case as they won championships. So now with this potentially being Antonio Brown debuting for the Empire on May 27th, this actually comes to fruition and happens. Do you see this as almost a desperation move of, because of whatever the finances are now, and those things are changing potentially daily, that the Empire have no other choice but to put him on the field if they want to get butts and seats. I think I think as far as attendance goes, and I mean, let's be honest, you mentioned it. Like that was an all-star roster a couple weeks ago. Now it's not. Like you still have very good players. You know, you got a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. But yeah, maybe maybe they actually do need him to suit up. They may need a guy. Um, but no, I think this is hundred percent to sell tickets and if he plays the whole game, that's awesome. Like, good for him, good for the good for the team, good for everything. Because it'll be cool. It'll be on Sports Center. You'll get the attention that you want. If he goes out there and shoots up but never goes in, or goes out there shoots up, play, play you know one one deep route and then leaves, it's just a scam, and people will see right through it and be ticked off. This is going to seem like an odd comparison, but you as a fight fan like me, I think you're going to understand this comparison, that there are going to be people that are going to look at Antonio Brown suiting up for the Albany Empire in the same ways that people view Floyd Mayweather or Conor McGregor, that they're polarizing, they talk trash, they have a huge following on social media, and people want to see the top athlete compete at the top level. However, there are some people 
who are anti-Floyd Mayweather and anti-Conor McGregor. And as much as there's fans that want to see those guys win, there's a contingency of fans that want to see these guys get their butts kicked and knocked out inside the octagon and knocked out inside a boxing ring. Could we see something like that happen here in the Capital Region that if fans aren't Antonio Brown fans, they're going to root against them? And they want to see him take a big hit over the middle for the entertainment portion of, hey, he's been running his mouth, he's been doing this, he's been doing that. I want to go to the game to see him get blasted coming over the middle. Oh, 100, 100%. I mean, he was booed last time he walked out of the field and he had that comedian Michael Blackson with him. Like, he he is – it's one of those deals where people want to love this team. They want to love everything about it, but they can see what's going on. And it's not it's, it's not what you would traditionally do to, to continue a power. And the way he speaks, it's almost like he thinks he's more important than the history of the squad. So you're seeing some fans get ticked off about that. I, I, I do think it'll be, it'll be a little bit of both. Like, as a marketing guy, dude, there's no better plan than to put him on the field. Like, I, I always say, the circus sells tickets too, man. Like, let's go. But he's, he's polarizing. I can guarantee you one thing for sure. He ain't going to play on June 9th down in Orlando. He ain't going to want no part of those guys. Ah, that's it right there, and that's why I'm so thrilled you are in Orlando right now because this is so different than anything we see in the professional sports world. We never see something like what could happen with the Albany Empire locally here in the 518 in that matchup coming up later this summer with the Orlando Predators. LeVac, this is like WWF 90s where Stone Cold Steve Austin is taking out the boss. Now, look, if you're not a wrestling fan, here's a better way to think about this. Imagine you had an opportunity for the person who fired you from a job. You get to have a physical altercation or confrontation with them, and you're allowed to hit them. Like, that's what's going to happen here. The Albany Empire players that won championships are now members of the Orlando Predators, and you're telling me the boss who fired them is not going to be competing against them. If he actually takes the field, I can't take my eyes off of it. And what's going to happen in Orlando is going to be one of the most must-see events, not just in NAL history, but maybe since we've been out in the Capital Region. That has so many layers and and feels like the dream of so many sports fans that they might have a chance to lay out their boss and not get in trouble for it. I mean, absolutely. And and look, I, you know, I don't speak for anyone but myself, but I can tell you right now there's – there's no way on God's green earth that those guys aren't mad about the way they left Albany. They they all love the community. Brandon Cisse moved to Albany. Like, he lives there. That's his home now. And he has to go play football in Orlando to continue his career. Um, it, it's it's really, like, it's become personal. He made it He made it personal. These are guys that, like, are professionals. Like, like Darius Prince is crazy, and, and Dwayne Hollis is a ton of fun. And, you know, like, all these guys are good. Oh, there goes the Falcon again. Um, but at the same time, like they loved the community of Albany and they, they wanted to play the rest of their season there. The fact that they have to pick up and go become part of a new team, learn new systems, you know, figure out where exactly they fit in the systems. And, and like, look, they understand that if they're being added to a roster, somebody's being cut from a roster, all those things matter to them. And if they, if they get a chance to suit up across the field from Antonio, that might be, that might be like Steelers Bengals level hard hitting game. Oh, how different your plans for this week have been. 
We've been getting content from you this week. We thought Thursday would be a nice, easy day. Nothing would be going on. You get a chance to go to the parks, kind of get away a little bit from the NAL stuff and the Empire stuff and the players moving and Mike Corda's situation with Techies Firewater Restoration, his new role with the Orlando team. We thought this would be a far different day than what it's turned out to be in the week. But with all that said, we know you've been active on social media at the Jeff Levac on Twitter. For those who don't have social media, you're missing out. Levac, please. Take us through what Epcot around the world has been one of your favorite things to do. I um so I made it, but I, it was it was tough because um, my my plan. You know the old saying is you know failing to plan is planning to fail. I've always done my plan based on being dropped off by the buses. So I would enter the World Showcase in the middle, where you'd have Canada on one side, Mexico on the other. I got dropped off by the Skyliner, so now I was already in the World Showcase. Completely threw me for a loop. Started in France, drank a flight in France, and then um, it, just, it was just it was piecemeal. I put a lot more steps in than I normally do for the drink around the world. I can tell you that. But but your boy keeps going. And, and this morning at uh, Hollywood Studios, I drank at uh, Ogus Cafe. So I'm now not only drinking around the world. I am I am currently drinking around the galaxy. So I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It really is. I don't know what the rest of the week's gonna hold for us. Because it's been packed. We've had such great guests with Matt Verderam and Kevin Sweeney. You've been joining those conversations. We had such Yankee talk. You've been active and connect with people on social media. I would tell you that tomorrow is going to be a little bit more chill. Your phone won't be ringing. But how the last 48 hours have gone, keep your phone on wherever it is. If you're on the teacups, if you're on Space Mountain, be on the lookout if your phone rings again. Again, follow him on Twitter, at the Jeff Levac, giving updates and more throughout it. If you got messages for Levac, I'll send them across the iHeart app. Appreciate you, man, doing this with a crazy schedule that's worked out for you and looking forward to having you back in studio right here in the Capital Region on Monday again. All right, buddy. Tomorrow's a travel day, so you know you know what that means. Irish coffee and, and a nice flight to Albany. There he goes, our guy LeVac. We appreciate him taking that out of the day with everything going on. So LeVac again, even though he won't be here likely for the rest of the show and Friday, he will be back on Monday, and that's the way to connect with him. We've got a lot of stuff coming up, by the way. Our guy, Brady Farkas, is going to join us again in the 4 o'clock hour. We're going to do some top four at four action with him, talk some NBA playoffs again and baseball and all the big storylines. We want you to be a part of the show today. And if you want to connect, one of the ways that people have been able to connect, we talked about social media, but this guy in particular who's coming up next has built a great following on YouTube. He hosts out in Houston, but he is a New York guy to his core. But you listening right now probably know him more from YouTube than you do out in Texas. Jake Asman's going to join us. He's called Aaron Rodgers the Dragon. We're going to ask him about the Jets, Aaron Rodgers' Dragon claim, Knicks. We're going to talk Yankees. Jake is going to be excited to talk some New York sports with us. Jake, reach out to him. He's always doing a great job. So happy to have him coming on. You want to talk about somebody who's been elevating their brand. Elevation 10,000 continues to do that. And if you want to hop in on the show today, Elevation 10,000 can do that for you. Because they are the proud sponsor of our phone lines. So the phone lines will be open to you today as well. Give us a call, 518-690-0980. 518-690-0980. The Elevation 10,000 phone lines open to you. Elevate your brand, whatever it is. Whether you're a YouTube host like Jake, whether you're a radio host like Jake, whether you want to start your own YouTube channel, media company, a local softball team, baseball team, you're looking to get something cool for the Little Leagues and more across the Capital Region, Elevation 10,000 can do that for you. Jake Aspen's on the way, but I want my guy LeVac to 
Tell us a little bit more about Elevation 10,000 before we hear from Jake. That is how you get it done. Like, I'm giving you instruction while you're sitting here going, I just can't understand why I don't have more sales. I can't understand why I can't get all my employees to wear the right polo, the right shirt, the right uniform. I can't understand why my signs never look right. Well, it's because you haven't elevated your brand with Elevation 10,000. Elevation 10,000 is the place to go to get your signs, to get your apparel. They can set up a web store for the public or just for your employees. So a limited time web store, all your employees go, they fill out their sizes, what they're looking for, it gets shipped right to you, it's done. They can't say they don't like it because they picked it out. It's beautiful, it's a great plan. If you're looking to elevate your brand, marketing, signs, just day-to-day planning, whatever it is, you need to get a hold of Elevation 10,000. Elevation 10,000. Elevate your brand with Elevation 10,000. It's LeVac and Goss here with you on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. Joining us now, Jake Aspen. You can hear him down at ESPN in Houston. The Jake Aspen Show on YouTube. Even though he's down in Texas doing his thing, he's got that New York sports love deep in his heart. And we got to lead off with this. If you're not following or watching the Jake Aspen Show on YouTube, it is a mistake because you missed the reaction of our guy Jake finding out Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet Jake, for those who haven't followed your channel or saw your reaction, take us through those moments when you found out that Aaron Rodgers is going to be wearing green this upcoming season. Guys, even you just saying that, it just it doesn't sound real. Like Aaron <laughs> Rodgers wanted to play for the Jets, and he's a Jet, and he's talking about how he's having the best time so far, and it's been a dream, and he's had pinch-me moments, and I'm like, is he talking about the Jets? It's just, you know, as a diehard Jet fan hearing that, uh, it's, it's still surreal, and Obviously, the expectations change, and you're thinking about winning now and competing for a division and going on a run. But if you're a Jet fan and you've been through so much these last 12 years in particular, where you've missed the playoffs every year, you get the longest playoff drought in sports, and here comes Aaron Rodgers. Like, if you're a Jet fan and you're not pumped up, then you got to reevaluate if you're truly a Jet fan. So what are the expectations? What are realistic expectations for the Jets in 2023? Look, they got to make the playoffs. I think that's the minimum. They, they've missed the playoffs 12 years in a row. It's the longest drought in professional sports. It's them and the Buffalo Sabres for those who, you know, follow at the NHL. It's, it's those two teams. That's it. The longest playoff drought in sports. The Kings made the playoffs this year, and they ended uh, that drought for their first time since 2006. So the, the minimum requirement is the playoffs, but I want to win the division. The Jets have not won the AFC East in 20 years. They have not had a home playoff game since Herm Edwards was the head coach. It, it is time for the Jets to take a step forward, win the division, get a home playoff game, and set themselves up to have a legitimate chance to go on a run. The division is not easy. The Bills are rightfully still considered the favorites because of what they've done, but I have major questions about Tua's health in Miami. I have major questions just how good the Patriots even are. I don't care if they replace Matt Patricia with Bill O'Brien. I think Mac Jones is dollar store Kirk Cousins, if I'm being honest with you. So I I look at it like it's the Jets and the Bills, and Miami's good too, but you, know, you bring in Aaron Rodgers to a top five defense, the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. You're thinking about winning the AFC East and going from there. What I love about the passion for Jets fans is that those who follow you on YouTube, they're excited about the season. And we announced yesterday you're going to be on the show today. And immediately we start getting messages here from Capital Region Jet fans that will ask you questions that they probably would have asked you on your YouTube show and everything else on all the different platforms. So I want to get to some of these questions. Nick in Syracuse is listening to us on the iHeart app wrote, Jake, do you think Brees Hall and Makai Becton can both be healthy for week one? Yes, I, I do. And, and, and Nick brings up you know, a, a great question there, just because so much of the Jet season really relies on you know, the health of Makai Becton. And, and Brees Hall, 
you know, resembling the player at some point that he was last year before he tore his knee in the seventh game of the season. I, I do think Beckton is a bigger risk than Brees, just from the standpoint that Beckton has never played a game in front of Jet fans. Think about that. His rookie year in 2020 was the COVID season, and he never played a home game in front of Jet fans. And last year, he didn't play any games. You know, two seasons ago, he got hurt in week one in the opening half. So he has barely played. He looks like he's in great shape. It's a contract year for him because they declined the fifth-year option. You know, that will motivate athletes. So, look, Mekhi Becton has never been about, you know, uh, talent with him or ability. It's always been about durability. So if he can stay healthy, that will really elevate uh, this Jets offensive line. And uh, Brees Hall maybe is not the same Brees Hall right away, but I think if you get to the midway point of the year and Brees Hall starts to, you know, resemble the back he was, First half of last season, if you're a Jet fan, you're going to be feeling great about that. Justin and Gilder Lynn is a Jets fan. He wants to know, Sauce Gardner is now all the talk's been about how good he was as a rookie. Is he going to be talked about in 2023 as one of the best defensive backs in the NFL? It kind of feels like that's the next step, right? I mean, but let's put it like this. Like anyone who watched football last year, you, you know how good Sauce Gardner already is. I mean, he was the first rookie since Ronnie Lott to make a, an all-pro team. I mean, Sauce Gardner was first-team all-pro as a rookie, it is unbelievable what he was able to do. And he just does everything the right way off the field. He's got unbelievable leadership qualities. You know, Sauce Gardner came to the Jets with a lot of hype, the nickname. He never allowed a touchdown in college, all that. But for him to have the year he had last year, it's one of the great rookie seasons of all time. And I think you could argue it's the greatest rookie season in the history of the Jets. That's how good he was last year. We got one more coming in from Ryan M on Twitter, who wants to know from you, Jake. Jake, with Carl Lawson restructuring his contract, will that have any impact on the future of Quinn and Williams? It's a great question because I, I, I don't know for sure one way or another. I guess it depends on how they want to structure Quinn and Williams' new deal. I'll say this to any concerned Jets fan. This is not Jamal Adams. This is not Leonard Williams. They're going to pay Quinn and Williams. They're going to get a deal done. I don't think in mid-May any Jet fan should be worried about Quinn and Williams scrubbing them uh, from the you know scrubbing the word Jets from his you know Twitter bio. I mean Lamar Jackson tweeted that he wanted a trade, and then he ended up a month later signing a new deal. So this is kind of the modern athlete how they handle things. So I think something's going to get done. I think the Carl Lawson restructure is an awesome move though because it guarantees you he's going to be on the team. He was willing to take a pay cut to free more cap space. And maybe it signifies another move or two could still become uh, between now and maybe the start of the training camp. You might know him from Houston and ESPN down there in Texas. You might know him from YouTube and all the great stuff he does on the non-traditional media platforms. It's Jake Aspen joining us here on LeVac and Gaz. Let's swing it over to the New York Knicks because it could have been possible if things had ended a different way that you and I would be talking about game one of the Eastern Conference Finals between Boston and New York. And instead it's the Heat. Knicks fans reflecting on the 2022-2023 season, what do you take away from this past season, and how do you view the future of the New York basketball team for the next few seasons? It is an unquestioned great season for the Knicks. I mean, they entered the year with a 38-win total projection at all the you know, all the sports books who set the, the the number of win totals. And, you know, they won mid-45, 45-plus 45, 45 games this past year. They went, they won a playoff round for the first time in a decade. And, again, ultimately, they lost to the better teams. And especially after you watch Miami last night go into Boston and win game one, I, you realize just how good of a team the Miami Heat ended up being. There's certainly no eight seed. So you took them to six games and, I think the biggest takeaway from this Knicks season is you have a legit star in Jalen Brunson. This is a team that has not had a point guard in 20 years. And 
Brunson comes in, and everyone says he's overpaid, and now he's underpaid. He's got a descending contract going forward. He's one of the best bargains, not just in the NBA, but in all of sports. You combine him with some of the young players on this team, you feel really good uh, about this Knicks future. The big question they got to ask themselves is, how can they go any further with Julius Randle being the sidekick to Jalen Brunson? I personally don't think you can, but it's not so easy just to trade Randle. Where are you trading him to? you got to make the money match. So I think the biggest thing the Knicks now need to do is they're well-equipped with draft picks and cap flexibility to acquire a superstar the next time one of those guys is available. We thought maybe it would be Donovan Mitchell last year. Turns out they couldn't end up landing him, and they beat his team in the playoffs. So who's the next guy that could become available? And you know, does, does Leon Rose and, you know, and Tom Thibodeau, can they get that sidekick or that number two or maybe a 1A, 1B next to Jalen Brunson who proved this year he's, he's the real deal. He's, he's one of the best free agent signings, I would argue, uh, in the history of New York sports. That's his impact. It's a big claim, and Zach's lived up to the hype and been doing that. Exciting to see what his future brings for the blue and orange in the garden. Now, usually in mid-May, we're not talking about the Jets. We're not talking about the Knicks. We're usually talking about the Yankees and the concern level of a fan base early on with so many games to go. Aaron Judge back in the lineup. He's making his own the headlines with checking over to the dugout and stealing signs. <laughs> Domingo Herman's getting tossed out of the game. Let's focus on Judge, though. From earlier in the week, what did you make of his wandering eyes and the results in that Blue Jays series? I, I was frustrated by it as as someone who's you know a huge fan of Aaron Judge. Like the, the fact that people were accusing him of cheating, the fact that people tried to make it something it clearly wasn't, just showed you how many people are just uneducated about the game of baseball. It was obvious that the Blue Jays pitcher was tipping his pitches, which oh by the way he has since admitted, yeah they I, they caught me tipping my pitches. So the idea that you know Aaron Judge was doing something wrong by you know the Yankees picking up on a pitcher tipping and then Judge, by the way, you know standing there in the box and hitting an absolute meatball down the middle. I mean, he, he didn't even need the sign to hit that thing as far as he hit it. It just it was very frustrating for me because if, if you're a Yankee fan, like Aaron Judge has done everything right to get a Yankee. So for people to use this as oh well, kind of go after the Yankees and and Aaron Judge, it was frustrating as a fan. But then the next night for him to come back and hit a huge home run in that eighth inning to give the Yankees the lead, a game they won. I mean, that was an awesome moment. So uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see how Judge handled that. And, you know, the, the great ones respond the way he did. And, and anyone who's a Yankee fan who's watched Aaron Judge, who's a baseball fan, knows how great the guy is. Jake Aspen joining us here. You know him from his Jets coverage. You know him from down at ESPN Houston. He's doing all these great things. But he had a take on social media the other day that I almost texted you immediately when I read it because I'm like, he is reading my mind. He could not be more right. Now, for those of you who are fans of Ted Lasso, I'm going to give you a 3-1 to one countdown here. We don't want to do any spoilers, but especially for our podcast audience, I'd fast forward about two minutes if you don't want to get something spoiled here for season three. So, three, two, one. What the hell happened? Like, why is season three so bad all of a sudden, Jake? You're spot on about this. It's sad, right? Because after season one, it felt like we were we were on the you know the precipice of watching maybe one of the better shows in recent TV, and it's just it's fallen off. I mean, season two was all right; it wasn't awful, but I mean, season three did they change out all the writers? It went from a show about you know a soccer coach uh, in London who's actually an American football coach, and there's funny moments and there's great character development to. It just feels like now they're just trying to like kind of force different storylines that don't really make sense. They're rushing through a lot of things. And then there's also the like kind of just the, the need to kind of just throw in like, you know, everyday, you know, social storylines into the story. And it just doesn't fit like the whole charm and appeal of the show 
I feel like it's been lost for this season. And I, I don't think there's going to be a season for it. I read somewhere this is the final year. So it, it is what it is, I guess. But I'm definitely not going to watch season four because it is stunning to go from where the show was in season one to where it's been this season in season three. What I loved about it is that you saw these characters, you thought you knew them, and then they'd incorporate some backstory, like, whoa, okay, that's why this person is like that. Oh, if it wasn't for so many Roy Kent F-bombs, this could probably be on cable television, and cable TV probably needs a show like this for the families to watch and everything else. And yes, the societal issues, the random storylines that don't make sense, just somebody, I don't know if it was Apple or what, said we got to get our fingers in this so we can put this into syndication 20 years from now. I'm totally right with the Ted Lasso taking yeah. that, man. And, and, and guys, the, the most recent episode, I mean, the show's called Ted Lasso. Was Ted Lasso in, in any of the scenes for more than, like, maybe three total minutes of screen time? Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I, I don't care about – there's too many different characters they tried to introduce. They, they should have continued – you know, we work in radio. You're told to play the hits. That's what, that's what Ted Lasso should have been doing. Yes, he can do it all. He can talk New York sports. He can talk Ted Lasso. I won't get him going about his favorite restaurant that serves some burritos and more. That would be another 25 minutes with him. We love when he hops <laughs> on with us. Jake Aspen, Jake, we appreciate you, man. Looking forward to hitting you more up in the fall and the winter coming up. Hopefully in Vegas we'll be running into each other at Media Row this year. Keep up the great work. Make sure to follow him on YouTube, on Twitter, and more. Appreciate your time as always, man. Keep up the great work. My pleasure. I will see you both at the Radio Row in Vegas when the Jets are in the Super Bowl. Let's hope for that. You heard it here first. Jets Super Bowl. Jake just called it. Talk again soon, man. Thank you for having me, guys. Talk to you guys soon. LeVac here for USX Pest Control. The non-chemical exclusion system is amazing. I had Tim from USX come out to the house. He walked around. He showed me where the potential problem spots would be and what we would need to do to make sure that I didn't have to worry about invasive, you know, little rodents and nastiness. We went around the attic. I learned about bats, where they come from, how you can tell whether or not they've been there, mice in the basement, how you can tell whether or not they've been there, all these things. And then, get this, I find out one of the houses across the street has a termite problem. I called Tim over at USX Pest Control. Let him know. He said, here's why you're safe. A lot of concrete between you and that. However, we're going to go ahead and take a look and make sure it's okay. It is amazing how how just better I feel, how much safer, how much just more relaxed I am with my house because of USX Pest Control, part of the Gagne family of brands. You may remember Cat's Eye Pest Control. Well, now it's USXPest.com. We appreciate Jake Aspen taking the time there with us. If you missed our conversation with Jake, don't worry. It's going to be up a little bit later on Apple in Spotify On Demand. We appreciate you listening to any way you can, whether it be the iHeart app, Apple, Spotify, live on 95.9980. And again, those presets, if you got that new vehicle, 103.1-HD2. Might get a little better reception if you drive around the capital region. So set that on your dial as well. You know, we were just talking about Ted Lasso. I might be struggling. It is struggling season three, in our opinion, both Jake and mine. Secession is not. Secession is going to go down as one of the greatest television shows of all time. That's how good it is right now. Maybe Breaking Bad for me is it is. Breaking Bad's one. Secession, if it finishes strong as two, Dexter was in that conversation as well. But that's a whole different debate, especially the last season. But. I bring Secession up because one of the most recent episodes of the season was titled 
controlling the narrative. That's the theme in the sports world today. Like some of the biggest stories today, you could swing this around and say, today's all about controlling the narrative. 2026 World Cup. It's like three and a half years away. Why are people want to talk about the World Cup? I get it's coming to the States and multiple cities here in the USA are going to in the future have the World Cup. But already, New York and New Jersey is trying to control the narrative of what this is going to look like. There are reports coming out today that the FIFA president and more could not be more excited. In fact, it's being called the equivalent of eight Super Bowls at an event today. Again, not just the U.S., all of North America. Mexico is going to be part of this. Canada is going to be a part of this. Team North America is going to be hosting the World Cup. I want to make sure I clarify that. But whether it's government officials or more, eight Super Bowls. Eight Super Bowls. Michael Strahan today said, quote, we want to host the final. There is no better place to host the final than at MetLife Stadium. This is football, okay? That thing I did is running around, tight pants, running into each other. Okay. Strahan playing to a different audience there. We think we're going to get at least eight games. That's eight Super Bowls, said New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy today at a big spectacle with New York Mayor Eric Adams and more. Eight Super Bowls. New York sports fans going to buy that today? You're trying to get that spin job going right now that you're going to convince New York sports fan. We just talked a bunch of different sports, baseball, basketball, football. You're going to try to convince me today in May of 2023 that the upcoming World Cup three years from now is going to be eight Super Bowls. Nah. The Super Bowl by itself in MetLite Stadium, I'll give you this, was a little disappointing. Do you remember what Super Bowl was at MetLife Stadium about 10 years ago? Finally, New York slash New Jersey will do that again. Got the Super Bowl, and the one they get was Seahawks Broncos. That first offensive play snap flies over Peyton Manning's head, and the game's basically over then with the Legion of Boom dominating and putting on one of the best Super Bowl dominating performances maybe of all time. See, the idea that the World Cup games... and just picking random countries here. Ecuador versus Germany. I can't buy it. You can't even tell me that Ecuador versus Germany in the 2026 World Cup here for stateside fans is going to feel like a Super Bowl for them. Now, I'm not saying you won't get fans. I think the stadium is going to be packed for every single game, no matter what country is going to be playing, because there is a audience that may travel into MetLife Stadium. They may travel into Canada. Kansas City is going to be one of the host cities. Look at that. There's another Ted Lasso reference there, the hometown of Ted Lasso actor Jason Sudeikis. So yeah, you're going to have pockets of people going to the games. But if you're just trying to make an easy comparison for a Super Bowl, it's trying to control the narrative a little too much. Now, that same theme goes for the Pac-12 today. The Pac-12 has been rumored to still be trying to find a place to air their games for the future. 
Earlier this week, we talked about that magnificent, magnificent seven. Yeah, there you go. Magnificent seven of the ACC that's trying to leave the conference and find different ways to find more money with the ACC contract locked in until 2036. The Pac-12 has been going all over the place to air their games. Are they going to go linear or non-linear? Could we see them on Apple Plus or Netflix or Amazon or the CW or whoever wants to get involved? Now the Pac-12 has put out this statement today. This came out at 7 a.m. West Coast time. That the Pac-12 is going to enhance its in-game experience. Upcoming this fall and more, the Pac-12 is going to be more innovative than any conference in the country. The Pac-12 is going to have in-game and pre-game access with in-game coach interviews. Players being mic'd up during pre-game activities and more. Get ready for additional content on the way with our family of networks. Ugh. I mean, someone kind of waited a little long on this. Hey, look, we get it. We didn't really have a network. Everyone's called us out on it. You know how many steps away, by the way, until the Darren Ravels and the Mike McCarthy's and the Andrew Marshans, the business and media reporters nationally, you know how long it probably takes before it gets to them of how bad a conference is struggling to find TV rights and media rights and people putting them on. Now this is what the Pac-12 is trying to tell us. Hey, uh, look, we get USC's leaving. We get our most marquee schools actually won't be in the Pac-12, and people are concerned we're just about to become the Mountain West. And when we stack up our sports rights to other SEC, ACC, our ratings are not even close. We tried the Pac-12 after dark thing. Then we realized the East Coast fans maybe didn't want to stay up till 1.30 in the morning on a Saturday, at least watching Pac-12 football, unless they were chasing an investment somewhere. Someone's thinking about the Hawaii bet they're going to fire off in the fall. But they tried to spin this one, control the narrative of, no, 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 we're in good shape. Don't worry. We're going to let pregame interviews happen. You guys have been watching the XFL, right? What they're doing is kind of cool, please. Tell us it's cool. It's cool, right? Tell us it's cool. I like watching some Pac-12 football when I want to watch some Pac-12 football, but you don't have to sell me on it. You don't have to put out a press release and a big news interview conference at 7 a.m. your time to tell us you should care about your product. There are things to do in California rather than go to Palo Alto and watch a 1-11 Stanford team. There are things to do in Arizona. Rather than watch the Arizona State Sun Devils fall below expectations and people like me scratch their head and still wonder, why aren't they Oregon? Beautiful campus, easy school to get into, really cool uniforms, beautiful women. Why can't they recruit? That's what's going on in the Pac-12. So we got conferences trying to control the narrative today. We got cities and states trying to control the narrative today. And my favorite one, nobody does it better than this. No athletes try to control what happened. What we saw is fans better than fighters. I was very excited to show and play this cut of Tyson Fury, Joe Rogan, and John Jones. John Bones Jones, the Binghamton, New York native. Endicott, New York. Don't want to get in trouble with people who might be listening on the stream. Endicott, New York's John Jones. But Tyson Fury swore so much in this clip that I'm like, it's not even worth editing. I don't even know if you'll even be hearing anything besides beeps. Tyson Fury 
is a little upset that Joe Rogan had suggested that if Tyson Fury and John Jones fought, Tyson Fury would lose the fight. Tyson Fury then went on to insult Joe Rogan and everything else. If John Jones and Tyson Fury fought, I'm a huge Tyson Fury fan. I liked Tyson Fury before the Wilder fight. I knew that day that HBO Real Sports special, which I've referenced a thousand times, that day that dude was going to save boxing, especially the heavyweight division, and make people care about it for a generation when the Klitschko's were so boring. John Jones is the greatest UFC fighter of all time. Ever. Ever. So if I had to pick a fight to watch between the two best fight athletes of the last 15 to 20 years, and this could actually happen, who would win in a fight between Tyson Fury and John Jones? John Jones would win the fight. He's more skilled as a fighter. Tyson Fury is the better boxer. You're telling me John Jones couldn't take down Tyson Fury? Look at these two. John Jones is carved up. He's put some weight on. He still looks like he's in fantastic shapes. He's beating dudes easy. I like Tyson Fury. I don't think working out's been his biggest strength. But Tyson Fury controls the narrative. I'm talking about Tyson Fury. He's got a few fights coming up, but we haven't really talked about him. You could argue he's been the athlete that was most affected by COVID the last three years because he had big heavyweight fights and everything else was on the way. That was the prime of his career, and COVID changed everything for him. But here we go. Who would I rather see Tyson Fury fight? Wilder a fourth time. Anthony Joshua, who keeps losing. Ruiz. Usyk. Or John Jones. John Jones is the answer. And who does John Jones want to fight? He's already won a belt. He's got a fight with Stipe, the UFC heavyweight champion, coming up soon. So what if he beats Stipe? Isn't this the moneymaker right here for John Jones? If you're a fighter, you want to be called the best fighter in the world. You don't want to have this cloud hanging over you wondering like, well, if this guy and this guy fought, who would win? McGregor and Mayweather stopped that. Oh, you want to find out who's better? Step inside the ring and find out. Francis Ngannou left the UFC to go prove stuff like this. Francis Ngannou was rumored to be fighting Tyson Fury. So there we go again today on a Thursday in May about people trying to control the narrative. We got politicians trying to tell us eight Super Bowls are on the way in New York State. We've got fighters telling us that they can beat somebody who maybe they have no chance to beat, but... They want to make sure they got a job to sell tickets. They got that in the ways in which they can potentially have this happen. And you've got the Pac-12 trying to convince us that their product's actually not a bad thing to watch. Tune in to Pac-12 football. We might not know what channel it's on. Nobody might want us. But you can hear what Chip Kelly has to say before the game. Tune in to Pac-12 football. It's been all about controlling the narrative today. Hey, if you want to let us know, what you're thinking about, what you want to hear coming up, you can let us know on social media at WOFX980 on Twitter. Make sure to check us out on Facebook as well. And again, if you're listening on the iHeart app, that microphone right there, leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. At Tom Goss, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z on Twitter, at the Jeff Levac. You can follow his Orlando trip. He joined us earlier in the show. If you missed that, to talk about Antonio Brown and more. Coming up on the way, our pal Brady Farkas is going to be joining us. We're going to do a little top four at four action. Thanks to our friends at Mohawk Honda. We got some NBA playoffs to talk about, baseball and more on the way. Hour two coming up. LeVac and Gaz.
right here on 95.9 and 980 Fox Sports Radio.